My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles, talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Kaylee Cormack and Haley Muir. Cormac and Muir have been involved in Calgary's music scene in one way or another for quite some time, in the last few years as members of a punk band. Over the years, they've had a lot of conversations, between themselves and with other women, about the experience of being women in a male-dominated industry. At least part of that experience can be framed in terms of space. Who is present and who is absent? Who gets to feel welcome and who is made in subtle ways to feel out of place? who feels entitled to exert some control over space and who doesn't. In their experience, it's a pretty common thing for there to be relatively few women as performers on any given bill, or even in audiences. And as performers, it's not unusual to face the gamut of small but important interactions known as microaggressions that may not even be done consciously, but that mark those who face them as somehow unwelcome, lesser, or not belonging. Along with being punk musicians, the two are also committed feminists with backgrounds in marketing and experience in their paid work lives of project management. That is, they know how to make things happen. After bouncing the idea around for a couple of years, they were in the early stages of figuring out the practical nuts and bolts of putting together some sort of feminist, woman-centric musical event, or maybe a few of them, when they connected with a crew of older women who had extensive experience at putting on festivals and other large events. In short order, Femwave, a feminist arts festival, was on the path to becoming a reality. The first of what they aimed to make an annual event happened in late November, and it featured not only multiple music shows in a variety of Calgary venues covering a range of genres of music, but also panels, public education, film screenings, visual art installations, and stand-up comedy. It may not be unprecedented, but in terms of combining multiple art forms and an explicit commitment to feminist politics into one event, it is certainly rare not just in Calgary, but in Canada as a whole. Cormac and Muir speak with me about music, feminism, and Femwave, a feminist arts festival. We spoke by Skype to phone from Calgary. I am Kaylee Cormac, and I am one of the co-founders of the festival. And I'm Haley Muir, the other co-founder of the festival. And so I guess we're talking about FemWave, which is a feminist arts festival that we've just started in Calgary, Alberta. We just wrapped it up at the end of November. It went from November 26th to 29th. It was the first year, and it was a big success, and we're already looking forward to next year. I've spent the better part of my life kind of involved in the music scene here in Calgary whether it's just going to shows or being involved in local campus community radio stations, CJSW here in town, or the various other media outlets. I've kind of always been in the music scene. 
And then over the last few years as a band with Kaylee, we had kind of a different perspective of the music scene in the city. Once you're participating as a musician, especially as a female musician, and then we talked about it a lot. We're both, you know, rabid feminists, and so that was always a topic of conversation. And then here we are talking about a festival that we put on. <laughs> We both approached that as musicians initially. Like Haley said, we play in a local punk band together. And I think our experience as musicians in the scene is different, being women in a mostly male-dominated music industry. It was very apparent to us that there were certain privileges that we maybe didn't have access to that men might have. And we'd play a few shows that had women on stage, but for the most part, it's mostly men. And so it was something that we decided we wanted to see different, and we wanted to see more shows that had women on stage with us so that, you know, we weren't completely outnumbered at every show that we played. The original idea came to us about two years ago that we wanted to make this happen, and originally it was just going to be a big show in town with lots of women on stage making music. And then last spring, we got talking about some of our issues with feminism and some of our issues with being women in the music scene. The same issue kept coming up, and we thought, well, we need to make this happen. We can't sit around and complain about this. We've got to make the change. We've got to put our minds to this and make it happen rather than just sitting around and complaining about something. We should make a difference about it. We both have backgrounds in marketing, so I think that played into it a bit. Neither one of us has any direct experience with running a festival, so it was pretty grassroots and pretty new for us. But I think the marketing backgrounds that we have, and we're both project managers for the most part by day, so I think that that came into play for us, too. We're both, you know, organized, and we like to stay on top of stuff, and we like to execute ideas. So we had this idea for the festival and thought, yeah, we can do this between the two of us, and then we ended up bringing some other people on board. But, yeah, it was just something that we wanted to make happen, and so we got together and, and did it. Tell me more about the kinds of experiences of the music scene that you've had and that you've heard about from other women that led you to feel that organizing this kind of event was important? Really, at the basic level, there's not that many of us at all times. You know, there's a lot of women in music in Calgary and in all of the other parts, but we play a lot of shows, and I know other bands have played a lot of shows where the whole bill is just made up of bands with four straight white dudes and so then the audience tends to be the same. And it's always noticeable and always makes me feel great. As a front person, when I look out into the audience and there's some girls there, we played a show the other weekend where there was one, literally one girl in the audience watching us. So I think it was just about creating that space and the comfortability and just letting women know that, you know, this is for them. This is a space for them. I think that that was really appreciated. I know a lot of the women that performed at the festival we spoke with, and they were so excited to be on these bills with all these girls because they're usually on bills with all guys, which is fine. Of course, men are allowed to make music and do their own thing too, but we just felt it was important to listen to the women who have told us about how they don't always feel represented at shows or that there's the same physical or emotional space for them at shows. So yeah, I think it's a thing that most women deal with almost anywhere you go where you kind of look around and you're like, oh shit, I'm the only one, or there's only two of us, or God, I wish there was a couple more gals that I could hang out with. So I think we just wanted to do that. 
we just kind of deal with microaggressions along the way that I don't think people are really meaning to make us feel out of place and meaning to make us feel awkward with where we are, but it's just a reality. It's something that we have to deal with. You know, when we're playing a show with a whole bunch of men and we're trying to come off stage and people don't make room for us to get off stage and get our gear off stage or people just kind of don't talk to us maybe the way that we see them talking to each other. I don't know. You just you sort of feel a little disrespected sometimes almost that people just don't take you seriously. Being women in music, basically, like you see a lot of men talking to other men and they talk about gear and they talk about their touring experiences and whatever. And we find like we just don't get asked the same questions. We don't get approached the same way. And so, again, part of this festival is hopefully to normalize that and just bring more women into the scene and make it not such a weird thing to see women on stage and women participating in music. So once you'd made the decision to do some kind of event, how did the organizing play out? We started talking to one or two venues in the city about the possibilities of doing an all-women show, maybe a couple. And then another woman in town, Kenna Barama, who's a force of incredible ideas and work ethic and just a wonderful human. She caught wind of what we were doing, and she had been thinking of doing a different thing, but kind of the same idea. So then we had a meeting and shared our ideas, and it blew up from there. And she has this awesome organizing committee called Stay Gold. They're old festival vets, and they're very experienced in putting on large-scale events like that. So we took the big snowball-y, balloon, fancy daydream ideas that we had and bounced them around with these more experienced women and found a really good ground of daydreamy ideas with brass tacks, how to get things actually done. So then it was just really splitting up to-do lists and deciding what everybody else was going to do, what everybody else's strengths were, timelines for when we needed to get things done. We'd meet every few weeks, and Kaylee and I would talk about it every time we talked. (laughs) All day. And, uh, yeah, we just kept checking things off of to-do lists. I give a lot of credit to Kenna and her team of women and they're on board and we're kind of all a team now. So it was definitely a large group effort. The first logistic was who do we want to play? What artists and musicians do we want to play? And how do we reach out to all the different music genre communities in the city? So luckily there was a few gals who were more well-versed with the hip-hop community or the folk community or that kind of thing. So that was probably our biggest logistic. And then deciding that we wanted to pay everybody who participated. And that logistic was how do we pay all of these people? And then we started the Kickstarter campaign, which was super successful and allowed us to pay everybody. I mean, like one really important mandate of the festival is that we value everyone's contribution to it. So all these artists that are making really great music, we want to give them a stage to perform that on and show them how much we value it. And we can't very well do that, but then ask them to play for free. That's something that we decided right off the bat was that no one was going to play for free. We were going to give money to everyone that was participating. But we just didn't know at that point what our ticket sales would be like and what our attendance would be like. And so we tossed the idea around and decided there was no way we could do this without a pretty significant chunk of money right off the bat. So we had a lot of support from friends and from family and from coworkers. So we decided a Kickstarter was the way to go. So Haley and I got in a room one night and compiled a whole bunch of information and put that up, put a budget together, decided that we needed $5,000 to make it happen. So we put our Kickstarter online for, I think, 25, maybe 30 days and ended up exceeding our goal by just over $1,000. So we ended up bringing in $6,000, which was amazing. And 
it was just cool to see how supported we were right off the bat and that people not only thought it was a great idea, but that they were willing to put money into it and that they thought it was such a good idea that they wanted to invest in it, you know, whether it was $10 or it was $500. It was amazing. And so it just made all the planning so much easier for us, too, because then we knew how many artists we could book and that we could promise them a certain amount of money to play the festival, which was huge for us. And then talking to venues about logistics and, you know, band gear and load-ins and media strategies, how to get coverage, which we didn't actually end up having to work super hard for, which was awesome. Lots of people just caught wind of it and reached out to us to do that. So, yeah, I don't know, just kind of the basics of booking bands and organizing. How many musicians did we have? I think we had 30-plus artists in total. And then there was a few events like the comedy event or the film event or the opening reception that other members on our committee, if you want to call that, just really took on as their own and planned and figured out and then just reported back to us when they were done. Lots of like sharing of documents. So There's constantly yeah. people making new spreadsheets, making new lists, making new just any sort of document to track stuff and then dumping it online into a shared folder that we had. That was a big logistical thing, was just trying to keep everybody up to date on what was happening and who was doing what and where they were with progress. And then little logistics that we hit along the way that we didn't even think about, like ticket sales. <laughs> ticket sales. And we had sold wristbands through our Kickstarter, but then decided we didn't want to sell wristbands to everybody once Kickstarter was done, because that's hard to keep track of how many people you have in a venue at any given time when everyone has a wristband, and they might come to stuff and they might not. So stuff like that we kind of learned along the way. And then even like getting wristbands to those people that got them. You know, it was a few days before the festival and we knew in our head that they would pick it up at the venue for the first event. And we had told a few people, but we had a lot of questions of people going, where do we pick up wristbands? And it's like, well, obviously at the event. But, you know, that was one of the things we learned along the way. There's just little steps that you don't think of that are very important. I think things went pretty smooth overall, but we certainly learned a lot along the way too. What kinds of conversations did you have? What kinds of things did you hear in the lead up to the festival from other women in the music scene, but also from venues and sponsors and dudes in the scene? From the get-go, and then especially in the couple weeks leading up to it, everybody was just super excited, whether it was different people in the media that we were talking to or our friends or family or bands that we were bringing in. Everybody was just up. I mean, it's the end of November in Calgary, so there's nothing to do. So I think that was mostly a really exciting thing, was that there was something new happening. And the city's really great. There's always something going on and somebody's starting a new initiative that's creative and innovative and boundary pushing. So anytime something happens, it's really exciting. And I think that was the general feeling. People understood why we were doing it, and we didn't really get any criticism or negative feedback. People were just excited that it was coming and excited to see some new artists that they had maybe never seen before. Like after one of the nights, my boyfriend had said to me that he had no idea that there was a female hip-hop scene in Calgary. And we had a couple of female hip-hop artists at the festival. So I think people just knew that it was going to be something different and new and exciting. And we were looking forward to it. Yeah, I'd say like the two biggest comments that we got leading up to the festival were one, how has this not happened before? And two, how can I help? So everyone was just blown away that something like this, in this form, that it's never really existed in Calgary before, and not too far beyond Calgary has it really existed either. So I think it was 
what a great idea, but how hasn't this happened before? Which we kind of wondered the same thing. And the other question we kept hearing was, how can I help? So many people that wanted to volunteer, that wanted to offer support in any way, even just loading gear in and out of venues or showing up and working the merch table or doing social media for us or whatever. Like We were just overwhelmed with the amount of support that we got for it. So that was really cool. And it's really inspiring going into the festival knowing that not just a crazy idea that we think is going to be really cool. There's a lot of other people that want to see it happen. Tell me more about the festival itself. It was packed at every venue, which was so cool. We figured that, yeah, this will be great. Some people will come. But every event was packed. We started on the Thursday night. We had an opening reception at a place in Calgary called Community Wise, which has a really cool history in the city with some feminist organizations and things of that nature. So we had an awesome crew of old guard feminists in the city who talked about the struggles that they had when they were younger and what they've been fighting for and how excited they are that there's still feisty feminists in the city fighting for what they need to fight for. So that was kind of a warm, fuzzy, cool way to kick it off. I learned some things, which was awesome. And then we had our kickoff party after that, which was a bunch of everything, art, comedy, a lesbian ukulele comedy troupe, and then two bands, Sleep Kid and Ghost Keeper. And it was just packed to the brim. You don't see the venue that we were at, Broken City, unless it's Sled Island during the summertime. You just don't see it packed wall-to-wall on a Thursday at 10 p.m. And then from there, just every single event was packed. And the two most interesting things that I keep telling people about is that at all of these venues, it was a bunch of people that I had never seen before. You know, I'm pretty involved in the music scene and we go to a lot of shows. We play a lot of shows. We have a lot of friends in the scene. So when you go to these kind of shows, rock and roll shows or whatever, you tend to see the same people. But at every event, there was so many people that I had never seen before, which was so cool. And everybody was just really focused on, you know, whoever was performing on stage and just really engaged and respectful and in, like, great spirits. It was really, really cool. Friday, we did a film panel, which was really interesting. We had three women that are producers and directors and filmmakers in Alberta. So they came and they did a panel, and then we presented a bunch of short films by women in the city and in the province. And then we followed that up with more music that night at a different venue, going solo was the theme for that night. So we had mostly solo female performers. And we invited people to come out by themselves and enjoy the night on your own or with a group of friends, whatever you want. So that was Friday night. Saturday, we did a show during the day with some bands. We had an all-ages show kind of around dinner time, And we featured some girls from Girls Rock Camp, which is a, a local camp for teenage girls learning to play instruments, basically. And then that night, we went to a different venue, to the Palomino, and we had bands upstairs and down. We had eight different bands or solo musicians play. It was so cool. People just partied all night. We had art installations at all the venues. So, like, Saturday night, when we had this packed venue at the Palomino, we had a giant Volva hug photo booth. So we had people getting their picture taken, wrapped in a big set of fuzzy labia, (laughs) which was pretty cool. And then Sunday, we wrapped everything up, and we did a market which was just basically a local feminist collective. They had done a market similar to this one in the past, so we teamed up with them. And they brought in about 12 local artisans, and they sold jewelry and art and soap and all sorts of cool stuff. And Haley and I, we DJed, we played records. (laughs) Somehow. (laughs) We were so tired, but we had to keep going and keep doing stuff. So, yeah, we spun records all day and played only female artists. And then we went home and crashed after. 
Also made me mention that all the venues had a bin for tampon donations, which we had teamed up with the YWCA here in Calgary to take in period products and tampons and pads and hygiene products. So that was also really cool to see people walking into venues and paying their cover and then going over the tampon box and just throwing stuff in. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was I was On Saturday night, our band actually played, and I had a guy come up to me on stage when I was tuning my guitar with a huge bag of tampons, and he goes, hey, I can't stay for too long. I've got to drop off these tampons. What do I do with them? It's just like, so funny. That uh, it's the first time I've had someone approach me with a bag of tampons when I'm on stage with a guitar. Well, hopefully it won't be the last. <laughs> Why did you make the decision for the festival to include film and visual arts and so on, rather than just music? I think it was just important for us to reach out to as many communities as we could. And one of our good friends is a comedian and another one of our good friends. She's worked on film programming committees in the past and is quite active in the film community. So at first, it's just the thought of, hey, I know a comedian, let's do comedians. Or, hey, film's cool, let's do some film. And as things progressed, it was just really important for our cause and for those communities to also have a space. Comedy can be really a rough place for women, especially in Calgary. There's a few comedy venues who basically just have a no-feminist comedy policy. So there's not really a place for any of these women to do any kind of routines that maybe are important to them or mean something to them. So it was really key for us to give them that space and that stage and Kind of the same with film. It could be a really rough industry to come up as a woman. So it was really great to hear the women on the panel talk about their trials and tribulations and eventual success and reach out to a younger community of upcoming filmmakers and actors and directors and producers. And as the festival grows, I think there's a lot more communities that we can reach out to and bring into the fold to make sure that we're really hitting all the spots and giving everybody their voice. It's just about giving voices to communities and groups of people who maybe don't have anywhere else to get that. So that was our goal with bringing in film and comedy and art this year as well. So I understand that one of the things that you wanted the festival to accomplish was for it to have kind of an educational component to it. Tell me a bit more about that side of things and about how it played out. Yeah, I think a big goal is education. We wanted people to have an open mind and maybe experience something that they hadn't experienced before and learn that feminism isn't a bad word. We specifically call this festival a feminist arts festival because we don't want people to shy away from the word feminism. It's not a bad thing. So I think it was important to us to not only have bands on stage playing music, but to present it in a way that people really think about it and that maybe makes them kind of expand out of their comfort zone maybe makes them think about their privilege and who they are in this world and how they fit in the world. The ways that we executed that was by looking at what do we need to learn and how do we want to do that and then setting up spaces for that. One aspect was just communicating with lots of people. We were pretty good at doing a lot of outreach work before the festival, talking to business owners, talking to artists, talking to all sorts of people just to see what they want to see in the festival and if they would like to attend and what they would expect out of that. The community gathering, I think, was a big educational tool for people. So that brought in, like Haley said, some old guard feminists. You know, the women that were fighting the fight in the 60s and the 70s and really paving the way for the feminists of today. So having them come in and talk about the history of feminism in Calgary. So that was a really great learning opportunity for us and for attendees. 
And it really framed the whole festival really well, too, because it made us realize, you know, how far they've come for us and how much further we kind of have to go for them and how we just have to keep going. The film night was really educational, too. We did a Q&A after, so audience members could ask questions that were specific to the film industry or just kind of what it was like creating art as a woman. And so that was a really big, like, listening and learning and understanding experience. And so I think, yeah, we just really tried to create platforms for people to listen and learn and talk and share and just feel comfortable opening up to new ideas and new concepts. Yeah, I think it was also just learning through the experience of going, experiential learning. You know, you're more aware of the space that you take up, or I think a lot of other people, myself included, just learn through being there and through going through the experience of being at a feminist festival where you're supposed to kind of pay attention and look at things in a different light. So what did you learn from organizing the festival? I learned a lot. I learned that with any kind of idea like this, and for us it just happened to be a feminist arts festival, but it's hard work, but it's totally worth it. And as Kaylee said, and as a lot of people said throughout the festival, especially the older feminists who have been doing this for a long time, we've come a really long way. But, you know, during our festival, there was a shooting at a Planned Parenthood in America. So it's like we've come so far, but it's like two steps forward, one step back all the time. We've come so far, but there's still so much more to be done. Thinking in the big picture and then in the small picture, just here in Calgary and just specifically us for the festival, I reached out to so many communities and I, I met some really incredible, hardworking people who are so supportive and I've made a lot of new friends. But I also learned that there's a lot I don't know about. I didn't really know anything about the female hip-hop scene in the city either. So yeah, I think I just learned that it's worth it and people want this to happen, but there's a lot of uncovered ground and new territories that we still have to get to. Similar to what Haley said, I learned that no matter how much I think I know, that there's so much that I don't know. No matter how much we try to reach out to every community and talk to so many people, there's still so many people that we just can't get to. No matter how much research and work we put into it, there's always going to be more. So that's something that we'll work on for future years. And it's not a bad thing. It's great that there's constantly more to learn and more to incorporate into the festival and more people to reach out to. Just because you can't hit all the right notes or cover all the ground or cover all the bases, like just do something. Just start somewhere and allow yourself some space to be wrong. And it's okay if you're wrong as long as you listen to the people who are telling you that you're wrong and reflect on it. So, you know, I don't know everything. It's okay. So it's maybe too early to ask this, but do you have any dreams or ideas about how you want to make next year's FemWave bigger and better? Oh, we've had dreams for next year from day one from this year. (laughs) We're always dreaming. Yeah. There was some stuff that we didn't have time for, we didn't have resources for this year that we'd love to fit in next year. And Whereas before we had literally three months to pull everything together, now we've got 12 months to pull everything together. So yeah, we're dreaming and planning and hope to make it bigger and better and even more successful next year. Yeah, we've got some ideas, I think. You have been listening to my interview with Kaylee Cormack and Haley Muir the co-founders of Calgary's FemWave, a feminist arts festival. To learn more about it, go to femwave.com. That's femwave.com. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, 
or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. 